Cahen is sponsored in part by Soulcraft Brewing, Salida's hometown brewery, offering a large selection of traditional and seasonal craft beers. Their spacious patio features cozy fire pit tables for outdoor warmth on chilly days. Fresh food is served daily at the Soul Shack food truck, featuring snacks like wings and pretzels, and full meals like sandwiches, burgers, and a delicious brunch on Sunday. Soulcraft is open daily for happy hour, lunch, and dinner. Cahen is supported in part by Little Red Hen Bakery, located at 302 G Street in downtown Salida. Little Red Hen specializes in hometown fresh-baked bread, bagels, and treats, all made with organic and local ingredients. A full menu, including the wood-fired oven schedule and daily specials, can be found on their Facebook page at Little Red Hen Salida. Cahen and Little Red Hen – just two hometown chickens working to keep Salida, Salida. Welcome, friends, to the old caboose here at KHEN 106.9 on your FM dial or at iTunes anytime or, of course, as podcasts here at KO at at Cahen. Listen, On the Rails is a fun show because we sit here in the caboose and we put our feet up. We open the window so a little summertime breeze comes through. We roll down the track. And while we're rolling, we talk all kinds of railroad stuff with all kinds of railroad people. And today we've got a very special engineer up in the front. That's Rick White, our engineer. He pulls this train. Sometimes we hear a little toot from him. Well, didn't. I don't have my whistle today, but, oh, but I might get it. Thank you for that up, intro for buddy, us. Buddy's always, up there. Always. Now, our, our guest today is Bob Sampson, Bobby Sampson, who put in many, many years for the great and mighty Union Pacific Railroad. You notice those adjectives, great and mighty. And he showed us his service pin for all those years. My gosh, that's fun. What a nice lunch that was. Well, now, how many years did you actually put in uh, on the board uh, there for the uh, Union Pacific? Well, I worked 32, Forrest. 32 30 years. Pacific. Yeah. I did 17 in transportation and finished up the rest. I mean, 17 in uh, repair track and that kind of stuff, and then finished up the rest in transportation. Transportation. Boy, oh, boy. Now, during that period of time, I worked on railroads, four of them, four different railroads. You did, too. It was an interesting time. I felt we got paid pretty good. Did you feel your pay was pretty good there, uh, Bob? Uh, yeah, the pay was fairly comfortable. You had to kind of keep that to yourself. You know, you didn't, like when you went to go buy a car or something, you, you, didn't wanna, you wanted to tell them you were you know, just a regular guy. Don't bring up the railroad or nothing. Because yeah. they, they, right away, people thought you made more than you did. But the railroad <laughs> paid good. You know, they paid decent. Yeah, well, that's what I would think. And, and um, but you were, wor you were working not just in Pueblo. You worked for a while in, believe it or not, uh, Arkansas. Oh, yeah, I worked down in. Well, I walk, worked down in Wynn, Arkansas uh, for mm. 
a summer. Um, they had a borrow out program. We were already being borrowed out in Denver and that program kind of come to an end. So we just went on down to win. They needed some help down there. So we went and worked down there. It was a totally different uh, railroad. I mean, I thought, I don't know, I thought we had some hardcore guys on our railroad, but down south, these guys were, they were a different kind of breed. They kind of let you know they didn't care for you, you know, right now, off well, the bat. Back up a little there, Bob. They didn't, you're a black person. Now, did they care for you just on the basis of you being a, a black person or was it partly that you were from Colorado and they were from Arkansas? What What was all about? What was going on there? Well, there was, a, there was a lot of things going on. Some of it was that I didn't really understand the customs and the ways of uh, that they were getting away with how they treated people down there. And I wasn't having it. So when I, you know, when I first came down there, uh, very few of my co-workers had really been around a northerner, as they called me. So, they called you a northerner? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Colorado is north of Arkansas. Well, okay. yeah, yeah, I get yeah, that. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll go over that. We, we are you a know, different it, cultural zone here. Yeah, so they were kind of different. They didn't, uh, they didn't really like me. And they really didn't like the fact that I borrowed out down there. You know, they uh -huh. they didn't care for that. You know, I got to thinking the other day, of course, uh, we were talking about mm, different kinds of prejudice on the railroad. And before I get too deep into that, and before I forget, because a lot of times you can always only think about the bad, there were a lot of guys on the railroad that they weren't having it either. You know, uh, there's yeah. a, there was a small percentage of guys that tried to push that stuff and they tried to keep a group of guys going with the foolishness. But if you got away from those guys and you got to a real guy that wanted to keep his job and feed his family and that was all he was interested in, you, you run into a regular guy. It didn't matter what color he was. So, that, you know, I never tried to get too tied up into the way they treated me because trust me, they tried to treat me pretty rough, but yeah. I was really more interested in just making a living and not having a lot of stress in my life. That way I just <laughs> let you know, right off the bat, I'll fight you. You know, that's how you, we settled those things back then, you know, just say, Hey, you know, I, I I'm going to fight you on anything that you're trying to do that doesn't pertain to the job it pertains more to the ideal that you think that i shouldn't be on the job you see what i mean yeah. so I, were, were there a lot of them or i don't know suppose how could you tell but were there yeah a absolutely, that's a real point you know it you never knew who you could really trust or get along with until a situation came up where you needed to trust or get along with someone. Yeah. So, you know, um, therefore you never, you never knew who your ally was until, you know, someone had to stand up and say, Hey, that's not what happened. This is what happened. Then you knew yeah. who your ally was. And it took a few years to form those kind of friendships. And like, uh, like I say, you said, I went down South that I was out of my element 
and I didn't understand the culture down there. And I didn't understand how to get along with those guys. So it was, uh, <laughs> it was an experience. A, a cluster. Yeah. 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 It was Many of them, as you say, you found you, you, you could get along with. Okay. Sure. You know, there was a lot of guys that, <clears throat> that you could just talk to them straight. But then yeah. there were some guys that they had a lot of stuff on their mind that really didn't have anything to do with you, you know, and, and they would let that cloud their judgment. So, yeah. you know, that that you have to really watch out for those kind of guys and, and not let them make that the agenda. You know, and there's a lot. You do a lot of sidestepping. <laughs> oh, I bet. Yes, you'd have to sidestep the issue, you know. But in the long run, I got to say, there was a lot. I was talking to my friends that started on the railroad before me, some other black guys. And they were telling me of their plight on the railroad. And what they were telling me was like, they would, like a, a couple of them were engineers. The guys would just freeze them out. So you would get called with an engineer who's supposed to be training you and stuff. But what he'd do is, is tell you to sit over there and don't say nothing. In other, you know, in other words, that was the only power he'd have over you. So he, he, he wouldn't teach you anything. So then, of course, eventually it would become your turn to run. And you have to figure that stuff out all, all on your own already. You know, it wasn't as they were reaching out to help you. But that was in the early days. And, you know, later on, when I came along, like was in the 70s, the, the late 70s, 78, um, that had kind of changed a little bit because, um, well, I think with anything else, you know, you got to think about the times. Like, um, I don't know, like in the early days, they still hadn't gotten over Jackie Robinson and stuff, you know? I mean, wow. it was still new to us. It wasn't new to us. Like, that wasn't nothing new to us. We were just trying to go on with our lives, you know? <laughs> but to a lot of people, they're still upset over integration. And I don't know. Uh, they, they were upset that they felt like you couldn't get ahead without taking it from them. And that's never been the case, you know? We can all get ahead together. They got to figure that one out. Well, that's interesting. But you did, you did, after all, have a, a seniority board. You did you have any senior to to get like oh. student trips or engineer? Well, let me let me explain seniority to you. Yeah, the um, seniority was based on kind of favoritism. They played any way they want to. Like when I first came down to work for the railroad. Let me explain to you how I got my job. A friend of me of mine that worked for the railroad already told me, gave me advice when I just told him I wanted to go to work for the railroad. He said, find a department. Go down there so much that the guy knows your name when he sees you coming. The so I started doing name. that right out of high school. He sees you coming. Right. I would show up. Any work today, boss? You need anybody, you know, or just talk to them, have coffee with them. I've had coffee with them several times before they even called me in for an interview. 
And then finally, I got an interview. So you got you got to know them well enough that when they would call you in, they already knew who you were. They already knew why you they already were. knew me. They knew my family. They knew about my mother and father. They knew everything about me before they even called me in for an interview. And wow. you mind me asking, Bobby, uh, what was what town were you in for this at this point? I was in Pueblo then. Oh, OK. Pueblo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that was Union Pacific Railroad. No, no, it was the no, real no brand. that would be DNRG. Right. It was the real brand. Oh, OK. But now the so real I got brand, to they, know the guy very well, very well. They probably had a huge board there because that was Rio oh. Grande headquarters. Oh yeah! At that time, it was uh, it was uh, a big hub, you know. Wow! Uh, I think we ran something like thirty-two trains a day west. And I was going to say you had how many 30, 40 trains each way in, in those days. This is the late nineteen right. seventies now. Right, yeah. right. It was something. So um, finally, you know, they called me in for the interview, and and I interviewed, and uh, you know, pretty much they already knew they were going to give me the job. What, they, what happens is when they call you in for an interview and they tell you they can get, get to the job, then they'll send you for a physical. So the day I came down there, they sent, I, they sent me for a physical, and I noticed there was a few other guys there, uh, young men. I figured they were going to go to work for the railroad, too. They were just being sent for a physical. Now, mind you, I've already uh, had a physical, sure, and I've it. already had my interview. And they already tell me I'm going to go to work. So they tell me I'm going to go to work on second shift on, uh, well, I can't remember whatever day it was. It was probably a Monday. But I was going to go to work on second shift that day. Okay. So I come to work and all these other white guys, I have to admit, were getting off work. They had went for the interview after me. They're getting off work. So that's five guys. So five guys in Puebla went ahead of me on the seniority roster. Those guys always had work and I had work when they needed me. So that's how seniority works. Then I experienced some of that same stuff as a kid because I was always working my way through college. Yeah, or, well, they can always put school. you where they want to. And they, what they, they determine that. See, they look into that. They used to call it... Um, finding the anchors they called them anchors remember that like if you had a house yes that was an anchor if you had a wife that was an anchor if you had children that was an anchor. well you're and if you had a uh, a group of good friends that was an anchor too then they knew say they had a wreck then they knew they could call you at 11 at night and that you would come out you would um sure they keep you hungry Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, that's that's how they always, you know, that's how they look at the workforce. You know, after years and years go by, you kind of figure, you you know, even though you're the donkey, you you know what the carrot and the stick's all about. So yeah. that's that's kind of how you figure out how they would kind of divide and conquer. Well, you don't know. But then again, uh, there was one guy out there, one train master, I'll never forget. He would say, hey, Whitman. Uh, what are you what are you doing back in the caboose on your, you know, these long runs? We'd have long runs. 
we'd go all the way to the Mississippi River on some of those runs. And I'd say, well, I'm waiting for my break time and I'm studying for finals. He'd say, well, what are you studying? I'd say, he'd say, well, let me look at that. He'd say, huh, have you thought about going this way with it? Have you thought, he'd say, when I was in college, we always tried to do this way. He really wanted me to get that degree. I mean, he really wanted me to succeed. And, and he, But he always said, one of these days, walk away from this railroad. <laughs> Don't, you know, walk away from your scene. You're, nobody wants to let, let their scene go. But said, one of these days, we want to get you out of here. <laughs> you know, so now he was very, very much the exception. But some of the management were that way. You know, it's, it's a personality thing. You can't, can't really get away from it. You know, think about it. Like, even when you were in, in school, they had the bossy kid and they had the kid that always snitched on everybody. And they had, you know, it's, it's the same way when you go to work. You got yeah. this, everybody has their agenda. They got their agenda. You got to find out where you fit in. Now, so. theoretically, at least when I was there, the only, I was only once ever called into an investigation and I got a call from yeah, lucky you. <laughs> yeah. How many, I don't, I shouldn't ask. Did you go a few times? Well, I was no virgin. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I've been to a few. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I should, to our listeners who don't know what in the world we're talking about. Okay. Say, say you're working a midnight shift and you're kicking some cars down to, into um, sort them out and as you kick down a few of these cars you kick them a little too hard and you bring down your lantern a little too soon and there's a little too much snow on the around the frog and boy that lead car boom it's on the ground it's off well it's okay unless it gets jiggled or jostled or i don't know then there's something wrong with that car then you might get called in for an investigation. Am I am I telling that that was my day? I don't know. Was that same in your day, pretty much? Or? No, I think they got investigations to a finer point by then. When I you they used to call you into investigations for oh not coming to work enough or. Oh, saying okay. something out of line to a supervisor, or oh, it sounds not like filling got... out your paperwork, or wow, just, they take you to an investigation for just or about. The, 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 you mean a real investigation? And, you mean just the training? Oh no, they says, fire you. You know, oh, an investigation to the end result was always that you were fired, and they call it a fire, but what what that really was was you were suspended without pay for a while whatever they yeah. determined that time would be. And the unions, they would back you, and you, you'd always get your job back, but they wanted to hurt you financially for a while. Yeah. That was how, you know, how they kept the hook in you. Well, it sounds like things had really had really gotten to a, a much finer oh, point. Oh, things changed a lot. Um, oh, I'd say right around the time of the Reagans, they started really changing railroad procedures. They wanted you to stop and let people get on and off the engines and the cars, stop and let them get on and off the cars. So you can imagine for us how 
uh, slow things became on the railroad. Took oh, all day yeah. to make one train. They brought in a lot of new regulations and stuff. So that, that all changed. Uh, around, yeah, around the time of Ron Reagan, a lot of things changed. And then it just got worse from there. They started picking at the railroad till it, you know, Every day you came in, they give you the impression that their job was to try to get you get your job instead of I'm building a train to go over the road. You're worrying about whether or not you're going to do something, not intentionally, of course, but you might do something that will cost you your job or, you know, time, money. So that's what they kept on your mind. Oh, I see it. That is, well, maybe I worked for different railroads. You know, I worked in out of the Chicago yards mostly. So that would have been New York Central. That would have been uh, Burlington. We never saw officials. The officials what? stayed way, they stayed uptown. They stayed in some offices. Some. We, we, we never would see any officials. Well, unless something like you say, there's something, something going went wrong. But, but no, see, this was in the early days. What they did is they they started hiring what you call yard uh, roadmasters. Yeah, I heard about those. Yeah, a lot of them were cool, but most of them were just trying to feed their family. You know, and some of them felt like the only way they could feed their family was to get you in trouble. They they would actually give them. Uh, uh, what you would call, uh, like police have a certain amount of tickets they got to write. These guys had a certain amount of failures they had to give out every month. That was your job. Can you imagine if your job was? Yeah. That was your job. But that's, oh, that's how they thought they were going to get things done. Or anyway, that's how I saw the big picture. Maybe I didn't see the big picture. But they get these guys and they hide in the bushes and then they jump hide out in of the, the bushes. bushes. Yeah, the, the like you'd be going along. Let's just what? say you're in the yard. We'd okay, never let me give you an example. Yeah. Let me give you an example. Let's just say you're in the yard and you've been working to put your train together for oh, three or four hours and you finally got your train together. Got the air hoses hooked up. Everything's ready walk, to go. Walk the, the train, you're ready to go. Everything's ready to go. The Carmen's giving you the final okay. The tower's giving you the clearance to leave. Okay, yeah. so you start down the track, and you see out in front of you, you got a green light. Yep. Okay, so you're starting down the track. Now, one of these officials walk across the track with a tape, and uh, on the other side of the track is one hey. of his buddies, and they stretch it out <laughs> in front of your train. And if you can't stop your entire train before you touch this tape, you've just lost your job. Oh, for God's sakes. And the union well, wasn't in there protesting that? Sure they were. But the unions were getting kind of weaker then. The unions, you could, like, when I first started working, the unions were strong. They were the strong. I got out of there, oh, yeah. the unions were so busy making deals and trying to save their own selves that they weren't wow. doing nothing for you. you well, know, that, Bobby, you, you know what, what I want to do? I want to pursue this. This is a, a really good discussion. I want to pursue it. But what, what I think we should do is take a real quick break here. Rick's going to have to do something to the tape here that he's running. But I want to stay with this, how the railroads changed near the end for their workers. 
And and maybe that affects why they're having so much trouble today running trains. And this is On the Rails with me, Forrest Whitman. And we are wrapping up the first half of an interview with uh, Bob Sampson, Bobby Sampson, who put in 34 years out there. And was that right? 43 years. How many years? 33 years out there on the railroad. And it it changed a bunch uh, from between my time uh, and uh, and his time. And please, please stick with us. Please come back for the next segment of uh, On the Rails. And we'll hear a little more about some of these changes. So let's have a fun. Let's we're we're going to sit back here in the caboose talking. Let's take a second at least to yell a highball and head out of here and take a little break. So count of three, we'll do a highball. One, two, two, a three. Highball! I'll give you a highball, but I wasn't allowed to do that force. Cahan is supported in part by Hilltop Broadband. Hilltop Broadband for residential and business wireless internet service. Servicing Salida and Poncha Springs in Chaffee County, as well as areas in Fremont County, Custer County, and more. To experience the Hilltop difference and request new customer information, email info at hilltop-broadband.com or call toll-free 877-783-2889.